questions today about the loving kindness practice? Just, just commenting on something that's bound to arise as we explore the metta practice and we offer good wishes and friendship to whether it's specific beings or all of us or particular groups of beings. You know, inevitably at some point it dawns upon us that it's not going to be so. <laughs> you know, this, is, this is the truth. This is the reality of how things are in this, this very imperfect world. And that can be hard. That can be hard to take in. So um, just one aspect of that is that's part of what's purified through this practice is the grief around the the actual conditions in the world. Um, That's part of what we have to flush up and flush out to be able to just really offer offer that open-hearted friendship to other beings. So it's very natural for that to come up and we just bring mindfulness to that as it comes up. And that's also part of the reason why we don't typically stop at just the metta practice. The, the, the metta practice, as wonderful as it is, um, just on its own, is actually out of balance. <laughs> so we need the other components of the Brahma-viharas, which probably many of you have heard about, but if you haven't, um, so after loving-kindness, there would be the quality of compassion, which is that ability of the heart, you know, based on that good wishing, based on that open-heartedness to other beings, to be able to open also to their suffering and to the truth of suffering that as much as we wish them well, as open-hearted as we might be towards them, there's, a, there's suffering that's not going to, to disappear from the world. So can we hold that without shutting down, without closing the heart down in grief and in aversion? So the, the, the compassion practice is also really important in the face of suffering for opening to that and staying open to that. And then there's the complementary uh, practice to the compassion practice, which is the appreciative joy practice. You know, can we really stay open to all of the good that there is in the world? So, you know, being in this world involves a lot of pain and also a lot of joy. Can we open to both of those, both of those sides of the coin fully, you know, with an open heart, you know, out of friendship, out of, you know, goodwill? So can we really take in the beautiful things that are in the world and really be grateful and appreciative for those things, whether they're our own um, uh, blessings that are coming to us or blessings that are coming to other people equally or other beings. And then, of course, the, the final practice in the Brahma Viharas is the, the cultivation of equanimity, which is really essential in all of these, the, that quality of heart that just is unperturbed by the truth of how things are in the world, that's unshaken by the, the, the swings back and forth between good and bad and joy and sorrow and gain and loss and all of these uh, various opposing uh, states and conditions that we find in the world. So cultivating that quality of equanimity that just accepts that this is how it is, this is how the world is. It's a mix of pleasure and pain. And to a large extent, it doesn't depend on our wishes. <laughs> that wishes we may, you know, no matter how much metta we cultivate, 
no matter how much compassion or sympathetic joy, the world will always be a mix of pleasure and pain for all of us. So equanimity is that really critical quality. And it's, it's said to be um, the quality that this practice moves in that direction. So, so this is kind of where the, the loving-kindness practice and the mindfulness practice converge, that both lead us to this place of equanimity through different routes, one through being in relationship and one through looking deeply in our own experience. Uh, both bring us to a place of being uh, really at, at rest, really unperturbed by the truth of how things are, which is the place that insight arises from and the place where we can access freedom. Anything else? Yeah. Um, the difficult person, I find it hard. Um, I feel like it's so phony sometimes. Um, do you have any like tips for, for somebody who's really, really hard in your life? Um, maybe some, some past things that you feel were very hurtful. And, um, maybe something you could suggest to open up a little bit more so it doesn't feel so not real when, when I'm wishing them well. I mean, I want, I want to, you know, I want to be sincere, but I find it can be hard depending on the difficult person that I'm thinking about. Yeah, so um, I think we're actually going to do one more loving-kindness session when we'll talk more specifically about a difficult working with a difficult person. But just in general, I would say um, it's okay to put them on hold. You know, we, we don't want to, um, in this practice, we don't want to force the heart at all. You know, we want to just go really, really gently. And in the end, it doesn't really matter you know, if we do this, there's many different ways of, of cultivating loving kindness. This is this particular way where we choose specific beings and offer these phrases. That's one way of doing it. Um, but really, we're just trying to flip the switch. <laughs> so um, we're just trying to turn on that quality, that heart quality of metta, which is a mental state. So, you know, what makes uh, metta, the quality of metta, when it's present, really unconditional is that it doesn't have to do with specific beings. It's a, it's a mood. It's an emotion, kind of in conventional terms. So we use these tools of, you know, considering this or that or the other being to, to try to wake up the heart and get that current of metta flowing. You know, it's like, um, so if we think of metta as, as the light from a lamp, you know, the, the technique that we use is the light switch. So we're just trying to turn on the light switch. So we can, if, if there's a being that's very easy to do that with, do that, you know, if it's really easy to, to open to ourselves, to um, get that feeling of really care for ourselves flowing, stay with that. You know, if there's a dear friend or a benefactor that just, every time we think of them, the heart just glows, then stay with that. So the, the point of this practice is not to cure particular relationships, although it's easy to, to kind of, you know, want that to happen. <laughs> it's easy to, to, to glom onto that, but that's not actually the point. The point is to cultivate that heart quality of metta, and then that will affect our relationships. You know, the more accessible that is, the more familiar we get with that feeling, the more it does start to be something that's just active in the heart and that's accessible when we're in relationship with specific beings. So the example that I usually give is we've, we've all had the experience of waking up on the wrong side of the bed, right? And then we go in uh, to have coffee with the person that we love most in the world. 
and they get the benefit of that bad mood that we've woken up with, right? It doesn't have anything to do with them. They didn't trigger it, you know, it's, it's just the mood that we're in. And then whoever is lucky enough to, to come within our field, they get the benefit of that mood, right? So metta works exactly the same way. It's a mood. So we're trying to, to get ourselves up on the right side of the bed, you know, and then whoever we happen to encounter, you know, We've all had that experience of being in kind of an open, joyful place, and maybe somebody who's really difficult happens to come along at that time, and it's, it's not quite so difficult because we're in that more open place. So it's, it's not about specific beings, although there may be a t- at certain times a, a point at which it is beneficial to specifically work with a difficult being. It's, it's really not necessary to go right for the most difficult person in our lives. It's usually not useful. Yeah. Time for walking. <laughs>